0: Hebrews chapter eleven. Um, we, I'm, I'm going to. This is the second last uh, instalment this morning, and um, we'll wrap it up next week. We're going to talk about perseverance from uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, and then uh, we'll commence with a short three week series on marriage, and then another short three week series on family, which I'm looking forward to. So, um, yeah, that's in a few weeks' time. Uh, it's about faith. Yeah. If the Bible is about anything, it's about faith. This little word faith appears in the Old Testament and the New Testament over and over and over again. But it's an interesting little word and over the years there have been quite a number of attacks on uh, the notion of religious faith. Um, A few years ago there was an, uh, an atheist group in the UK and they ran this big campaign in London And they put these big signs on the buses in London. And on the signs of these buses that were running around London were the words, there's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. What a campaign. People coming out of the tube station, walking on the pavement, seeing this on all the buses of, of London. It's an interesting little slogan. There's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy life. A lot of people over the centuries have argued about whether there is or whether there isn't a God. Now, I happen to believe that God really does exist. I, I, I really believe that there is a God, and I think that there are good reasons for believing that there is a God. And what's quite remarkable to me about this, this atheist bus here and, and in this little message here is, is the notion that What's stopping you from enjoying your life right now is the fact that you believe there is a God. Essentially, that's what they're saying over here. Yeah? If, if you just become an atheist and you put aside all of your religious beliefs, then you're not going to worry anymore. Right? Your life is going to be one of constant enjoyment. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. So you know, so essentially, you're not going to be subject to the ups and downs of life, you know, the, all those human emotions you know, of know, being bored or getting irritated or feeling anxious or getting depressed or, you know, letting anger arise or, or being jealous. All of those things will be out of your life because there's probably no God. So stop worrying and enjoy your life. That's, that's what they say. Um, it reminds me of a, of a song that, I, that, I, that I've enjoyed over the years by a guy uh, whose name was John Lennon, one of the Beatles. Anybody know John Lennon? He wrote a song, and that song was, a, was like a, a defining hit of the era. 50 years ago almost, I think it is. And the song was Imagine. Anybody know that song, Imagine? Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's nothing. I pulled out some of the lyrics from that song where he writes, Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And then, he, and then in the song he writes, And no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. And so John Lennon was saying that if you, if you just got rid of countries and if you got relig- rid of religion too, he's, he's kind of saying, well, you know, we, we're all just going to be about peace, man. You Remember him and Yoko Ono, you know, all the oldies? Hey, peace, dude, you know, peace, peace. In fact, it's interesting with John Lennon. I think he said that they'll be more famous than Jesus Christ. And then his life got taken in 1980. Is that not, is that not right? Very interesting. Um, but he, him and his wife at that time were saying that the, essentially that the natural state of humanity is peace. The natural state of humanity is not tribal. It's not competition or conflict. Right? It's not dog-eat-dog. Dog, it's not one person or one group trying to dominate the other. What they were saying was it's, it's peace. It's, it's, it's peace. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, think, I think that getting rid of religious faith is not necessarily going to cause people to enjoy life. I think that getting rid of faith won't guarantee that we are going to live lives of peace. And so in radical contrast to the atheists in the UK, and even John Lennon, the Bible comes and speaks about the value of faith, the value of Christian faith. And, And it speaks about that hundreds of times throughout Scripture. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. And so God, I just pray that, that the word, that your word would come alive and, and bring hope and, and by the power of your spirit would come and work in our midst this morning. We want to give this time to you, Lord. We want to pray that everything is going to be edifying and encouraging and that, Father, we would grow in our walk with you that our our knowledge and our understanding is going to broaden and deepen, and that our walk with you will become richer and and more fulfilled. Lord, my prayer for this church congregation, every person who counts themselves a part of Renew, God, my prayer is that by the end of this year, we will look back and say, You know what? I have seen how I have grown in my walk with God over this year. I pray that that prayer would be answered in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read uh, verses 1 yeah, one through to 6. The author writes, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So what the author is saying over there about the ancients is, is those figures in, in early scripture that you read about in the Old Testament. They had no Bible. They just stepped out in faith, and and they've become part of the story of God. So the author is saying, the ancients, the people you read about, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were commended for their faith, right? And so faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say that again. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is a huge concept in in the Bible. Uh, You could almost think of faith like a diamond, you know, with different different facets. And a word that I think is is quite a useful word, a helpful word, that, that you could probably substitute for the word faith is the word trust. Faith is trust. Faith is trust. Biblical faith is trust. Biblical faith asks the question, do you trust God? Do you trust God? It's a very personal question. Do you trust God? You know, when it, when it comes to trust, to me, it involves both my head and my heart. Um, at at the head level, if, if I trust God, do I do I in in my head, in my mind, in my thinking, in my rational, logical brain thinking, what's going on in here? When it comes to me trusting in God, do I trust when I when I think of God, do I trust that God is competent? that he's good at being God? Do I think over here that, that, that he, he knows what he's doing? He's reliable. You know, if, if I trust somebody in a in a like a work situation, like I work quite closely with Lindsay and Lee and, and, and Chi, and, and if, I, if I say to myself, you know, this person knows what they're doing. I trust them. They, they, they're competent, right? So if I had to say, can you do this for the church or, or do that for me, you know, I know that I, I trust them. I, have, I know they're competent, so I don't have to run around checking up on them. I know they're going to do a good job. And when I trust God, I'm saying that I know He's going to do a good job in running this world. I trust God. I know that He's going to do a good job in caring for me and caring for my family, my loved ones. I don't have to run around checking up on God. But biblical faith is more than just trusting with the head, it's also trusting with the heart. So when I trust God with my heart, that means that I'm able to be completely transparent with God. I'm able to open up exactly who Andrew is before God. I can open up my life to God pretty much the way I open up my life to Debbie. Debbie is someone who, for me, is a safe person. Are you a safe person? She says up to her limits. So now my trust is starting to wane a little bit. But I trust Debbie. She knows almost everything about me. And so, in the same way, as I, as I even, even greater, to a greater extent, when I come before God, I open up before God about exactly who I am. God, for, for me, is, is someone who can speak into my life. So, when I trust God with my heart, I'm able to trust God with my secrets. I can trust God with my fears, I trust God with my worries, my concerns. I can trust God even with the things that nobody knows about me. I can trust God with the things from my past that I'm ashamed of. And so to trust God with my heart is for me to be real with God. It's not to put on some kind of mask, some kind of holy pretense with God. And so one facet of faith in the Bible is that you trust God. I want to get personal with you for a moment. I know that in this church there are people going through some challenging times in various areas. And my question to you this moment is, do you trust God with the stuff that you're going through right now? If you're married, are you trusting God in your marriage? Are you trusting God in your work or in your relationships? If you've got financial issues going on, are you trusting God in the middle of that? When you pray, do you say to yourself, you know, God is really good at being God. He's really good at being God. He's really competent at at, at running the universe and taking care of me. God knows what he's doing. I know he's going to do a good job because he's a God who is faithful to who he claims to be. Is that the manner that you come before God with in in the midst of all of those, those, those problems where you say, he's my father in heaven. He's my savior. He's my protector. He's my healer. He's my redeemer, my counselor. My friend, do you trust God with your head and do you trust God with your heart? Because I'm telling you, if you do, and it's not always easy. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. But as you press into that, you will find yourself opening up more and more with God. Letting God into every part of who you are, into your, your very soul, and telling God probably what you would tell no one else. So one facet of faith is trust. It's complete trust in God. Another facet of faith in the Bible, and, and I've worded it this way, is restful reliance on God. Faith is restful reliance on God. And what I mean by that is when I'm going through a tough situation, faith says that I'm, I'm going I'm to put my full weight on God. I'm going to put every burden that I'm carrying on God. Right, I'm going to rely on him completely as opposed to just relying on myself. I'm going to rest on what God knows and not just on what I know. The Bible has so many different ways to ex- express faith. And, and, and certainly it includes trusting in God. But this restful reliance on God is, a, is about clinging to God. It's about wrapping your life around God. Waiting on God. Hoping in God. Taking refuge in the Lord. It's interesting to me because I've come across quite a few people now. I've traveled through life a little bit. And, and it's, it's interesting to me that sometimes you come up and have discussions with people. And I've come across a lot of people who would, who would say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Right? as long as you're sincere in what you believe as long as you've got faith it do- doesn't matter you know they they say the key is to have faith just have faith right whatever you believe whatever your higher power is you know what's what's great about faith is just having faith just have the faith you can place your faith in any anything i've i've come across people literally who you know you can put you can put your faith in the goodness of people you know you can you can put your faith in a in a choice and a lot of people do this I'm, i just i have faith that it's all going to work out in the end My faith is that it's going to work out in the end. It's all just going to be okay. You know, you can put your faith in your family. You can put your faith in your kids or your own resilience. Again, I've come across a lot of people who put their faith in themselves, their own, like, grit and determination and stick to itiveness. I can stick to it. I'm going to do this. They put, you know, I know the way who I am. I'm Superman. I believe that I'm going to succeed. That's the person I am. And so I believe, you know, I'm going to get this done. Their faith is in themselves. You can put your faith in aliens or romance or whatever. People will say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. But you know, that is not what the Bible means about faith. Biblical faith is not just a matter of having faith. Biblical faith considers the object of your faith. It considers the object of your faith. And so Christians aren't just people who place our faith in faith. We place our faith in God. So when you think about faith, faith is a channel. Faith is an instrument, right? Faith is a way to receive everything that God would give. It's a a way to receive God's gifts. Faith is not something that saves us. Faith is important, but faith doesn't save us. God saves us. God does all the work. Faith simply receives all that the Father has done. Faith trusts in Jesus. It's not faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. It's God who is working in and through Jesus Christ. I've had a lot of people say to me during the course of my life, they say, ah, man, you, you, I wish I had faith like you have faith. Anybody have any, said any, anything? Have you ever said anything like that? I, I wish I had your faith. You, know? you look at people and go, yes, you're so full of faith. I wish I had your faith. And, 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 and sometimes I take a step back and I think, I don't think you've quite grasped what the whole faith thing is all about. Because faith doesn't talk about itself. What faith boasts in is the object of faith, right? God. Faith boasts in God. And at the end of the day, it's not about what a great faith, faith we have. It's about what a great God we have. What a great God we have. So, you don't look at how at your faith, you know, how strong your faith is or how weak your faith is. No, you fix your faith on God's faithfulness. And I know a lot of people will struggle about this, especially when it comes to things like healing. And, and you pray for someone, and you say, and I've heard people say this literally, well, you haven't been healed because you don't have faith. Your faith's not strong enough. People have said those kinds of things, and it takes Christians for a wobble, and they go, why is my faith not? It's got nothing to do with your faith. What you need to do is fix your eyes on God's faithfulness. What makes faith great is that we place our faith in the God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And so, for those of you this morning who might feel like you don't believe nearly as strongly as someone else, that your faith is not as strong as someone else, or if you struggle with faith, or if you have doubts or questions, you know, you don't have the full level of certainty. As some other people might have in the church or you know or or maybe with family members or friends, just listen to me this morning. Faith is not an all an all or nothing deal it 's not an a, an all or nothing proposition it 's not about either you 've got it or you don 't Faith is not a is not a light switch either it 's on or it 's off you know either you're completely certain about something or you have no faith at all. Jesus <laughs> said something really interesting. Um, about faith he said even if you've got a little bit of faith it can go a long way in Mark chapter 9 he encounters this man and this guy brings his son to Jesus and he, and he wanted this man his son, this man wanted Jesus to heal his son and Jesus said to the guy he said everything is possible for the person who believes everything is possible for the one who has faith Everyone, everything is possible for the person who believes and, and I love the guy's answer <laughs> I think this is the way we need to respond you know I certainly respond to Jesus around this a lot of the time. You know, we start a church, we want to build a church, and I'm going, Lord, my faith. It's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but this is the way the guy responds to Jesus. I believe, but help my unbelief. Here's the thing about faith that is a great encouragement for me. You know, every every once in a while in life, you go through a really difficult situation. You go. You know, sometimes something shattering happens in, in your life um, and you experience a, a great disappointment or p- prayers that you've been, things you've been praying about, those prayers have just been unanswered or you've got questions that are just running around your head and, and you just can't get answers for those, those questions and life is difficult. But every once in a while as you go through life, if you're seeking God, you're going to have a dramatic experience with God. You're going to have an encounter with God. You're going to see a miracle. God does something, and you just step back in amazement because God's answered your prayers. God's opened a door. God's made a way. And you're going, that can only be the hand of God. That can only be God, right? It's unmistakably God. So we have those moments in life as well where God moves in a situation. and You go, man, that, that, that is God. God is working there. And, 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 you know, that's what we need to hold on to when it comes to faith that's what we need to hold on to because that is what matures our faith what matures our faith is when we look back and we see God's faithfulness in the past when we see what God has done for us in the past that if we hold on to that matures our faith for the future for the things that we cannot see the things we have not yet seen so that which God has done in the past we hold on to and say God because of your faithfulness then even though I'm praying for that now and I'm trusting for for that now and I can't see it happening because I've seen your faithfulness in the past. My faith is mature enough to hold on and to continue to believe in faith that you will come through, that you're going to do what you promised to do. The author of Hebrews defines faith this way in in verse 1. The author says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, Sometimes people say, well, that's the definition of faith. No, the author of Hebrews is not giving us an exhaustive definition of faith over here. Um, That's why I started this talk with the idea that faith has got so many different facets when you read about it in the Bible. But this is a definition that we shouldn't miss. Faith is about the future we hope for, the, the invisible, something we can't see. And so what the author of Hebrews is giving us is a kingdom perspective of faith. A kingdom perspective of faith. The New King James puts that verse this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith gives substance to things hoped for. That is a kingdom perspective of faith. Faith reaches into an unseen future. A future that is invisible to the naked eye. And faith gives the kingdom of God substance in our present moment. Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near to you. It is available to you. And we understand that everything of this age that we're living in, this gospel age, everything is moving towards the culmination. That this age is not going to go on forever. That it's coming to an end. That the providence of God is to bring to a close everything as we understand it now. And the kingdom in all of its fullness will come. So faith gives the kingdom of God substance. But not only for then, it gives substance in our present moment. And if you're wondering this morning what the kingdom of God is all about, the kingdom of God is what the world is going to be like When God completely runs the show. Yeah? The kingdom of God is what the universe is going to be like when there's nothing and no one who will ever say no to God. And so when the kingdom of God fully comes, no child is ever going to die again. There's going to be no more heart disease. No more heartbreak. When the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, there'll be... No more dementia, diabetes, depression, death. There's going to be no more murders, no more funerals, no more wars, no more mental illness, no more suicide, no more addiction. All of the things that oppress this world right now, all of those things that tear life down right now are going to be removed. The writer of Hebrews says, faith grabs a hold of the future kingdom that is coming In Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, when he returns. And so faith gives substance to that future kingdom and it makes it real now. So listen to me, Christian. Faith is a confidence in what I hope for and assurance about what what I do not yet see. And I know that the kingdom is coming. So because I'm a person of faith, because I believe in God and I know that he's real, And I know that he's alive and and interacts with my life in this world right now. Because I have faith in the hope of the coming kingdom, I can begin to exercise that faith and I can pray that God, your kingdom, that it would come now. What is the Lord's prayer? May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In heaven as on earth. In other words, It's not, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in heaven, and maybe one day we'll get there and then it's all going to be okay. No, no. It says on earth, as God's decreed it in heaven, so too can it be on earth. Right now. So Christian, listen to me. Right now, we can work to bring God's justice into this world. Right now, by faith, we can work for justice. By faith, when we see somebody being trafficked, when we see somebody being abused, where we see some injustice being done, which is contrary to the kingdom of God, by faith, we can step in and say, God, what would you have me do? To effect healing, to bring change. Your kingdom come on earth right now as you've decreed it in heaven. By faith... We grab a hold of God's future kingdom when it comes to healing. Because we know that there's not going to be any sickness and any pain or any sorrow because of that. Right now, we by faith can exercise and step out and say, God, I'm I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to step out in faith, and I'm just going to pray for those who are not well. I'm going to pray for those that person who's sick, that family member, that friend, whoever it might be. Lord, I'm just going to... Uh, Vina, I know you're tr- troubled. Can I pray? I mean, you, you're troubled health-wise, you're not troubled mentally. I hope, but anyway, whatever. I'll just pray for you, right? Are you happy for me to pray for you? No, I'm stepping out in faith. Sorry to pick on you because you're sitting in this seat every Sunday. I love it. I'll pay you $20 afterwards. But um, faith means that I can step out and I can pray because the kingdom of God can be affected as I step out right now because it is in confidence in what I hope for and it's assurance of, of what I do not see. But it can happen right now because God is doing that. God is giving us little glimpses all the time of what is to come. That's why we have the victory as Christians. That's why the enemy has no sway. We can step into it and say, God, I know that you're a good God. I know that you're a God who wants to bring change in this world right now and I'm an agent of yours. I'm, a, I'm an ambassador of yours. And so, God, I'm stepping out on behalf of the kingdom in a dark and broken world. By faith, we can grab a hold of the future kingdom's forgiveness, Uh, Christian. We can make it real now. How many people struggle with forgiveness? Yeah, I'm going to hang on to that bitterness, man. I'm not letting that person off the hook. They did that to me. I'm just going to, and I'm telling you, what you're grinding yourself down. By faith, we can, we, can, we can grab a hold of that future kingdom of forgiveness and make it real now. Faith is the instrument through which God's invisible kingdom materializes in the present. And so what the author of Hebrews is doing here in chapter 11 is he's lifting up our minds and he's increasing our desire for a stronger faith. If you read chapter 11, you'll see that the, the author goes through the rest of chapter 11 and he speaks about... or. Whoever the author is, he or her, speaks about the greatness of faith. What faith enables us to do. What the function of faith is. And so in verse 3, these are the words that we read. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You all get that? Essentially what the author is saying is that faith enables us to believe for something out of nothing. Faith enables us to believe for something out of nothing. Biblical faith, let me tell you, is very, very different to the faith of many of the other world religions. In biblical faith, God creates out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. If you go back into history and you go back thousands of years to the ancient Near East and you look at what they believed, those religions, you can even go back 2,000 years and look at the ancient uh, Greco-Roman world and, and the religions of those days. We can look at religions of today. And very very often with these religions, it's kind of like there's a God or gods, and they've created out of existing matter, right? The God or or, or the God started with something and then reshaped it to fit that God's purposes. But in Scripture, we find God starting with nothing and making something. Uh, uh, It's beautiful. And in fact, uh, the world out there don't even know how right they've got it. The 21st century science, you know, the, the consensus in the, about how the universe came into being is the Big Bang. <laughs> there was nothing and then bang, something happened. I was like, oh, that actually lines up with scripture. God created something out of nothing. So what does this mean for our Christian faith? Just think about this with me. Faith says that God is in the business of making something out of nothing. So when it comes to our salvation... It's not like God looks into people's hearts and says, hey, you know, you've got something I can work with. It's not like God looks and says, oh, you've got a little bit of integrity. I can, I can use that. Oh, you've got a few decent qualities that I, could, that I could use. You know, you've got some resilience. You've got perseverance or you're really smart or you've got social skills or kindness or whatever. God doesn't look and say, oh, you've got a little bit of that. I can use that. If I just breathe on that, you know, that little ember is going to ignite into a fire and then I'm going to change your life. No. That's not the biblical view of salvation. The biblical view of Christian salvation is that God starts with absolutely nothing in us. Nothing. The Bible says that apart from Jesus, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. And so what God does is God takes something completely dead and he makes it alive. When the Spirit of God comes to reside in you, life begins. Life begins. It's not like, you know, we were a little bit sick and God came to, you know, make us well. It's not like, you know, you, um, you were in a hospital and you needed a blood transfusion. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not even like if you were in ICU. No, um, we were in the coroner's place in a body bag. That's where Jesus found us. The Bible says that before Jesus came into our lives, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. The scripture tells us that, that we were blind. We were blind. We, it's, not, it's not that we were nearsighted and Jesus came and gave us a, oh, a pair of glasses. No, no. It says we were blind. And so what God does in saving a person is he starts with nothing. And he makes that person into something. He starts with a sinner and he makes that person a saint hallelujah, I'm a saint this morning. You can start calling me Saint Andrew. That's what God does. He starts with a dead person and he makes us alive. He starts with an enemy and he makes us a friend. God doesn't need anything in you to do something in you. So often people will say, you know, I don't know how God can even reach me. I come from the worst kind of background. You know, nobody in my family was a follower of Jesus. My parents got divorced my you know, My dad abandoned us. My mother was an alcoholic. Grandpa was an adulterer. My sister's an addict. <laughs> what can God do? No. Biblical faith tells us that God can make something of nothing. All we've got to do is believe. God will make me into something. It's not in my own smarts. It's not in my own power or my own popularity. It's not in the power of positive thinking. It's not in my determination and, and, and grit. Faith says that the only thing that matters is God who can bring something out of nothing. Are you looking at a situation? Are you looking at a life right now where you're seeing nothing? When you're seeing that situation and seeing that life where it's dead and there's nothing, you can begin to pray by faith and say, God can bring life into that situation. That which is dead can be alive. God can make something out of nothing. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad I'm in church this morning. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 4. The scripture says over here, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And the point that's taken from that verse is that faith enables us to make better sacrifices. You know, if you've ever read about Cain and Abel, there's nothing in the text that tells us why it was that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't, other than Abel's faith. People have speculated, you know, about Abel. You know, was he's, you know, when it goes back to the time before Jesus, was Abel's sacrifice was it a blood sacrifice? Was it offered in accordance with Jewish rituals? You know, did Abel give the first and best part of his flock? The the writer here doesn't mention any of that stuff. He says the only difference between Cain and Abel's offering was that Abel's sacrifice was offered in faith. In faith. Let me tell you something this morning. Whenever you give to God, whenever you give to the work of God or the purposes of God, when you pull out your wallet or go to your bank account and you transfer those funds to the purposes of God, when you roll up your sleeves and you, and, and you by the sweat of your brow you begin to pack out chairs and run cables and, 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 and bring the church to, into some kind of formation, when you pack up a meal to go and bless somebody who's hungry or somebody who's come out of hospital and you say, hey, we're going to make you a meal for a week, what you're doing over there is you're stepping out in faith. So, what makes your giving acceptable to God is what God is seeing in your heart. As God looks into your heart, does He see faith? Does He see you acting on what you say you believe? Does He see your faith? Does God see in your giving and your sacrifices a willingness? To live consistently to what you say your convictions about Jesus really are. Does God see sacrifice in your giving? Does he see sacrifice in your serving? Does he see faith in that? Does he see the heart of Abel in that? When we step out in faith and say, God, I'm just, I'm just going to come and do what I believe you want me to do. That's how Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Because you're stepping out in faith. When you come and put out chairs here on a Sunday or you come and set up this or make tea or coffee or whatever it is that you do, by faith you're saying, God, I believe your kingdom's purposes are important in this world. I believe the church is important in this world and I know that people can be reached through it. So I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get involved. When you contribute to the work of the ministry through finances, what you're doing is you're saying, God, you've blessed me and I'm going to bless you in return. I'm going to express my gratitude and my, my thankfulness. That's what faith does. Faith says, God, you've been so good to me. We heard that with Ryan who came here this morning and says, you know, sometimes we say we want the promotion, but what else did you say, Ryan? You said, thank God for the job, right? Thank God that you've given me work. And so when the income comes and we say, God, I'm going to honor you with that, it's just saying thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And what God God is looking for in your heart is faith. The faith to live up to the convictions that you say you believe in. Am I making sense? Okay, well, finally, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. I love this little phrase that he throws in there. He could not be found because God had taken him away. (laughs) May that be me. Andrew could not be found because God had taken him away. I'd love for that to happen. I know you wouldn't, but dear, there's lots of single men around. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, I want to be like Enoch. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. He was commended as one who pleased God. Faith enables us to walk with God throughout our lives. Faith enables us to walk with God throughout our lives. Enoch walked with God throughout his life. In Genesis, if we go back to Genesis chapter 5, it says that after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for another 300 years. Maybe I don't want to be like Enoch anyway. And uh, he had other sons and daughters. Enoch walked faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him away. Let's just go back to that next slide there. Faith enables us to walk with God throughout our lives. Folk, faith is a lifelong journey. Left, right, left, right, left. Faith is not just something we do when we come to be a Christian. Faith is not just something that gets exercised when, when you, know, you say, well, I, I wanna be saved, I wanna have the work of salvation in me. We don't just start um, the Christian life with faith. Faith is ongoing. Obviously, faith is required when you come to Christ because nobody can come to God unless they entrust themselves to God and say, you know, I'm gonna rely on God's provision, God's forgiveness, God's acceptance purchased on that cross by the blood of Jesus. That's important. You've got to have faith to believe that. But faith is not just something that you do at the beginning of the Christian life. Faith is not just something that happens to you when you're young. Faith is needed at every stage of life. There is never a time in your life when you should be without faith, when you don't need faith. We need faith. As a Christian, you need to have faith. If you're here this morning and and, and, um, you're in high school, you need faith to acknowledge before your friends that you're a follower of Jesus. You need faith to stand up to peer pressure. You need faith as a, as a high schooler living in this day and age. To, you need faith to go in a direction that is contrary to the direction that everybody else is going in. You need faith. If you're in your 20s or your 30s here this morning, you need faith as you try to figure out what God's purpose for your life is. You need faith to figure out who, if anybody, you should get married to. You need faith. To know where you need to work, you need faith to know about what kind of career to pursue. You need faith to know where is it that God, where, where God would have you live. Where does God want you to live? Mandari, Tapping, Greenwood, Melbourne, Perth, Sri Lanka, Italy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of godless people there. Maybe God's going to call you. You need faith. You need faith to know what kind of long-term commitments you should make. It takes faith It takes faith to surrender your life to God's purposes and God's will. It takes faith. It takes faith to raise children in a world that is so hostile to Christianity. It takes faith to pursue with your marriage when things in your marriage are falling apart. You know, I'm 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 almost 55. Old Enoch's got a bit on me, eh? I'm almost 55. Uh, And I've been in the company of God for most of my life. I remember at the age of five saying, God, Jesus, come and live in my heart. I got baptized when I was eight years old. Now, Life's not always straightforward. I have drifted. My walk with God has not always been as close as it should be. But I've walked with God. I've had faith. Sometimes my faith has been like that. Sometimes my faith has been like that. But I want to tell you this morning, I still need faith. I need faith to do what I do. I need faith. I need faith in this season of life. And I want to tell you this morning, there's never a time of life that God is not saying to you, what I'm looking from you for from you right now is faith. There's never a time in life where God's saying, God's looking for faith, faith in you. I want to close with a, a little rework of John Lennon's song. I might release it. Imagine there's a heaven. It's easy if you try. A God who loves us. a place where no one cries. Imagine all the people trusting God today. You may say, I'm a Christian, that I've felt God's loving grace. Come join me on faith's journey, and you'll see him face to face. My prayer, my prayer, my prayer, is that as Paul said, I run this race. I'm looking forward to the prize. All too often in in the Christian world, we think we pray a prayer and we've got that little ticket. I've prayed the prayer of salvation. I'm saved. And then we live like the rest of the world. Faith is an ongoing thing. Faith is that run that Paul calls us to. And so I want to encourage you to keep running this race of faith. Keep lifting up your head, lifting up your gaze, looking at Jesus, looking at the things that are unseen, calling the unseen into the now. Because the day is coming where I would have that all of us see him face to face. Amen.